Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Alex Cuba, thank you for taking some time here to join us. Uh, the Toddcast Podcast, Vancouver, Canada. How's yeah, uh, how's your world been, man? For the last couple of years, you managed to evade COVID. Did you did you catch it? No, actually, I didn't get it. Oh, at least I didn't get tested. I had some sort of a strange flu, but I decided not to go tested, oh, yeah. not to get get it, not to go get a test and. And um, so it's a mystery. <laughs> I think I think I got it I, again. Like you, I didn't also de- I just didn't get tested. But uh, anyway, good for you. Uh, talk for you. talk about how that affected your game plan as an as an artist, as a touring musician. How did the pandemic like change your life last couple of years? Well, I um I've been saying uh, on my shows, you know, the ones that I just started playing recently down in the Okanagan and I did two shows with the symphony, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I've been saying that, you know, I almost felt bad when I started saying it, but, but then I realized that maybe something that people want to hear, people need to hear, is that not everything was bad out of the pandemic for me, at least for me, right? And I'm sure for many other people. But I'm saying that because um, in my case, the pandemic, when cheering was impossible, everything was stay in your house. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen next. Uh, I'm not going to say that I was, you know, like so strong or whatever. You know, the beginning of it was, for me, was kind of intense when, I, when, when the idea of such amount of uncertainty started sinking into my mind. I had a little bit of a tough time at the beginning, but then something happened um, that allowed me to switch to my creative side. And really embrace that, you know. Interesting. Uh, when Bill Wither passed away just at the beginning of the pandemic, and I received an email from CBC Vancouver, uh, they were putting together um, the show Hot Air, it's mainly a jazz show. They were, they were, uh, they wanted to put together a show like a tribute show to, uh, to Bill Withers, and they, they were asking me if I wanted to participate. The way to participate was they were asking all musicians uh, to record themselves at home mm-hmm. and send, you know, send their version of whatever tune they wanted from Bill Withers, right? And my initial reaction was, no, I'm not going to do that. Because nah. I was wrapped up in the negativity of what was going on. And then a couple of days went by and, and, and my wife and, you know, manager and best a person beside me ever says to me, you should do it. You should do it. Knowing that, you know, if I put attention to it, that will, she knew that it was going to trigger, you know, it was, was going to trigger something in me, right? Trigger something in me. And, um, a, and so I say yes. And I began, I put brought all of my little toys to a corner here in my living room. And I began recording it. It was quite the process because my neighbor, the, the living room, right? My neighbor is quite close to me. Yeah, was fixing was fixing a diesel truck truck that he had, and so was turning it on and leaving it on for like minutes, like forty five minutes, 
and then you know stepping on the gas and, and then going around going around the block and come back and doing the same thing so it was very frustrating but i managed to get it done i actually threw some spanish in there to sort of you know make it personal make it my you know go put my identity in there sure and yeah. i sent it i mixed it however i could and sent it to vancouver and in the morning, I got an email saying, Alex, you, you brought tears to our eyes. Wow. And that's, that's all it took for me to say, really? Holy shit. So I began recording. And the pandemic turned me into recording a whole album myself right here in my living room. Oh, that's amazing. Because, you know, I, I've talked to so many people during the, the pandemic. That's what I do. So I, I interview people, right? And, yeah. and, and a lot of people have said, that it that the pandemic and, and COVID and just kind of being isolated and away from friends and all that have has yeah. really stifled their creativity. So it's cool yeah. to see that there is the the, the the other the other side. Well, my engineer, my mixing engineer, kept telling me, "Dude, I don't know what you're doing, but you're tapped into some sort of beautiful thing in there. Don't don't let it go. Don't let it go." Because so many musicians are they're basically doing nothing, you know. Yeah, and. Uh, and then I started thinking, you know what? Uh, I don't want this album to be, to be, you know, to go down in history, or at least in my discography, as the album that came out of the pandemic, you know, make it all sad and shit, you know? Yeah. I said, no, 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 I'm going to do what people know of me, you know, which has always been uplifting music, happy music, bright, you know? And, and so I made an effort to do that, and I did it. Also, I reached out to five collaborators internationally, and I, we, they were all looking forward to do stuff, you know. So everybody was there, recorded themselves at home, sent me their tracks. It was the most beautiful experience. But then all of a sudden, the album goes all the way to winning Grammy. You know, it's, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> I, was, I, I was expecting this, you know. So, um, and it has triggered now me taking things in that direction, you know, take, taking it to the next level, which is, I never had a studio, recording studio here in Smithers for a reason, because I'm always on the road. I've always been on the road. And, you know, it gets cold in Smithers and to have a studio with no use to it and some toys inside of it, you have to keep it heated and things like that. And what's going to be a, a unnecessary sort of, you know, expense. That's, yeah, sure. And, and, and I, um, but now with the, with the pandemic, I, I look deeper into that. I gotten a lot of people asking me to produce music for them, uh, which I already did from my living room, no problem. But the next, the day after I won the Grammy, a couple of big ads asked me if I would produce them. So I'm, I'm like, wow, my studio is coming right on time. In about two weeks, the constructor that we hire is going to begin doing it. It's my, my garage. I'm turning it into a studio. That is amazing. And, and then I will balance my life between touring and producing, right? Because um, also I'm no... I'm not 20 years old anymore, so I want to spend more time at home. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and I hear that uh, your greatest inspiration is a guy named Chris Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Chris and I go back to grade six, dude. I met Chris up in Paris. And I was going to say, let me, let me guess, you got some buddies. Yeah, we've been, we've been, we've been buddies since the, I guess, probably the mid-80s. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, Chris is uh, my wife's cousin. I call him cousin, too. When sure. he calls me Alex, I say, hey, hey, no, no, you got to call me cousin. I'm your cousin, too. 
But uh, funny, the most beautiful and funny stories ever, you know, like he was up, I think he was in somewhere in, in I don't know, in, in the in yellow knife or something like that, somewhere really high up or even none of it or something like that. Yeah. Working on some floors and stuff. And he had a, a few um, international, you know, people from all countries. Some of them were from Colombia, Mexico, and they were listening to my music one day. And Chris walked up to them and said, hey, that's my cousin. And they started laughing right on his face. What do you mean? That's that's cool. Come on. And then he got me on the phone. He said, I need, I, he texted me first. I need you to prove for me right now. Yeah, yeah. You are. I said, okay, sure. So I spoke to them. And they were like, oh. So I guess Chris um, got a, like many points uh, in that opportunity. He, you know, he went up in the scale of points. Up to 100. <laughs> well, of course, of course, <laughs> right? No, it's, a, it's the yeah. same sort of thing too. Like I'd, I'd made, I'd made, I can't remember what it was. Chris and I were just texting back and forth a couple months back, and he was like, "Oh, you should uh, talk to my my cousin Alex Cuba. He just won a Grammy award." And and like literally the day prior, your PR agency that you're using to push this, uh, you know, to push the the album and stuff, um, they had just reached out to me and they're like, "Hey, do you want to talk to this guy? He's a, he lives up in Smithers and he's a, you know, great, yeah. uh, you know, Canadian artist that just won a Grammy award for the it was best Latin, I think, right?" And and I was like, "Chris, that's crazy, man! Like, I just got asked yesterday if I wanted to talk to this guy." <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's a small world. How about that, eh? That's crazy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So so you're a couple Junos in now. You you've won a couple Juno awards. You've you've won the four yeah. Latin Grammy awards recently the the best latin pop album like you're saying with the with the grammys um tell us about when you found out about winning a grammy something about a snowstorm yeah yeah that's i don't think that is something more canadian than that right truly. <laughs> I, was, I was i was proud i was proud to say it let's just put it that way a uh, the couple of shows that i mentioned before that i was doing with the symphony down in, in the okanagan yeah that was the, the Okanagan Symphony Orchestra. We did the Friday, we did a show in Kelowna. The Saturday, we did a, a show in Vernon. It was super cool, like 32 musicians down the highway, you know, like I felt that was the biggest entourage I ever had in my life, in my career. Um, couple of beautiful shows, and that's the reason why I couldn't go. Um, the Grammys changed their original date, um, or the original date for, from January 31st to April 3rd because of COVID. And when they did that, it conflicted with my, my shows and stuff. I, I already, I bought tickets. And I was gonna go with my, my wife, my daughter. We were gonna go to, down to LA, you know? It would have been amazing to be there in, in person and, and win this thing, you know? But sometimes yeah. it's, it's funny, you know? I, I, I'm thinking, I be, I'm left thinking, wow. Maybe if I went, I would, you know, I would have not win this thing, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I was, uh, it was Sunday, the day to return home from, from Kelowna. I was driving. Uh, my wife and my uh, youngest son went with me. And we were uh, just approaching Cornell. I made the decision to drive w during the, the, the hours that I knew the Grammys were going to be happening because my publicist, uh, like an hour before or two, uh, forward to me the, the program, you know, how it was going to run. And I and I knew, so I said to myself, let me drive so that I am, um, I'm not glued to the, the the screen of my phone, right? 
because otherwise I would have been like this, you know, the whole sure. <laughs> Understandably, and, man. yeah. Yeah, and so we, we start, and we, we're approaching Quanell and the phones go out of service, I guess, all of that, and it starts snowing. And I'm like, man, I could have been now in Vegas, of course, you know, instead we're here returning to winter. <laughs> it totally felt like it was, we were going back to winter. Yeah, yeah. And, and suddenly the phones, you know, got back on service and all of a sudden the phone rings in the car. I had it connected to the Bluetooth in the car. I answered. I didn't recognize the number because sometimes it doesn't tell you the name of the person, just the number. And we are all, you know, who remembers numbers? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. it was my publicist. It was my publicist from New York um, who has been trying to get in touch with me for the last, I don't know, 10 minutes, right? And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I, I need you to send me a quote I, I, for the media. And I'm like, hey, well, hold on a minute. What are you talking about? Oh, you don't know? No, we don't know why. I said, you won't. Oh, my God. Nice, <laughs> when he said, when he, he started screaming, we started screaming through the car. Uh, I've been saying I'm proud that I kept the car on the road, you know, because it was a really freaky, surreal moment, you know. And then we were like 10 minutes out, and he said, I, I need you to park now and, and send me a quote right away because uh, we need to spread the news. Uh, so we stopped in Quanel, and my son in the, was sleeping in the back seat, and I woke him up and said, Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? I just want to grab me. And he started screaming too. And then it was a super surreal moment. Thought It's like, Oh my God, it's the first time that I, anything like that happens to me in my life. And uh, wow, I, I just. I, he threw me for the, the following week uh, into this kind of a weird floating sort of feeling, you know, like Cloud once nine, in a while, yeah. sure. once in a while, it would come back to me and I would go, shit, man, I won. <laughs> we won this thing. So it was pretty, pretty um, memorable, you know, in my oh, life. Sure. And, and so where do awards like that, like where do they rank in terms of, career highlights? Well, um, it is definitely the biggest prize that music has uh, all over the world, you know? It's the biggest award for music. And just in the personal, um, what, what, what I think once in a while is, man, this is the award that heroes, you know, people that I look up to, people that have changed the course of music, yeah, like, I don't know, Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind & Fire, you name it, you know, you name it, right? And I'm like, this is the, the same award again because it's, it's the American Grammy. It's, it's, and in Latin music, it's the biggest category, you know. So to win for a dude from Cuba that emigrated to Canada 23 years ago, that came to Smithers tw almost 20 years ago, that recorded this album in his living room, to win this thing down there is, 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 uh, mentally dangerous. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It's mentally dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. And and so the 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 horn band that you have on the new album, like you had yeah. all of them in your living room then. No, no, no. That was the only thing that I, that and the vocals of the collaborators, of course. Okay. Was the only thing that was done externally. So they'll just um, send the you whole... like the bits on Pro Tools kind of thing, and then. Yeah, I uh, I arranged it because uh, I've been working with uh, with the horn arranger down in Havana for a while. He's in quite a few of my albums, and 
when I reached out, because I, again, I didn't want the album to be small either, right? It's like the pandemic is not an excuse for that. We can do whatever we want. The technology is here to defend sure. us, right? Yeah. And, and um, so I, I arranged the thing with him. And then he told me, oh, I'm really excited. I got a new, I have a new project. It's a big band. It's a jazz band. It's 13 horns. And that would be amazing to have that sound on your music. And I said, what? But it would yeah. be very expensive. It would be very expensive too, no? That's a lot of people to pay. But no, we, we came to, uh, to an arrangement and they did it and then sent me the files and we got mixing and it was an amazing experience. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, what was your first concert that you went to? Who did you see? Who was the first band you saw? When, um, when I was growing up and stuff in Cuba, um, oof, so many, I, 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 I don't even remember. For some reason, the thing that I remember the most was the moment that I have um, the first encounter, let's put it that way, with a, an electric bass. And that brings me back, that takes me back to, to that concert that I saw. A band from Havana came to my town. I, I, I am from a town about 50 minutes, about an hour outside of Havana City. It's called Artemisa, and Cuba is considered, of course, the country, right? Sure. Um, it's not even a, a suburb, it's, it's the country. Still, it's like 80,000 people talk. So this band, I think it was La Orquesta Reve, a popular band from, from Cuba, came to my town, and that was the first time. I was, I was uh, between 11 and, and 13 years old. Oh, young. And so this, yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah. this electric, electric bass, and I said to my dad, what the hell is that? And he said, oh, that's an electric, <laughs> that's an electric bass. And he's like, you like it? And I'm like, no, I, I like it. No, I want one now. And so my dad did whatever he needed to do moving you know everything in his, on his path to make it happen and he got me bass a month later i had a bass yeah. in my hands and and i began there and that was the point of no return for me in music yeah of course right like i don't like it dad i love it like exactly. i need one of those as well so you've been releasing music uh it's kind of i don't know if this is true maybe you've been releasing it longer than what the internet knows but it's saying that you've been basically releasing music since about 2001 Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that was a, do, do, do the 20 years, have they gone by in like the blink of an eye? Have they gone by super fast? Yes. Um, yes. Music and any, any work of creativity, I think, has the, the mystery and the magic to absorb time, to uh, make the artist not feel the time when you're doing it. Right. And so, and so it's like, whoa. Yeah, looking back now, it's, I guess we're done. I've been telling lately to my friends, when they go, oh man, Grammy, holy shit. And I'm it's like, crazy, hey, it's whatever crazy. you think, whatever you think of me, I don't even think it's talent anymore. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean, right? Sure. So, sure. That's great. What a cool feeling to have, you know, uh, yeah. people acknowledge your hard work, essentially. That's what's happening, right? It's, it's very cool, Absolutely. man. Yeah. Especially like, dude, I, I, I got my start in radio at the mighty BVLD, oh. uh, you know, in like 96, 97. I worked, worked there for about four months and then went to Prince George eventually, but, uh, and then down to Vancouver to do working at Seafox. But uh, yeah, man, I got my start in Smithers where you are right now. Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, to that's wonderful. Uh, out, outside of music and what you're known for, what are you binge watching lately? Oh, I, I, um, believe it or not, I don't, 
um, and I know that I have to make the I have to make the the effort because sometimes um, music consumes consumes me, you know, consume consumes all of me, and, sure. and it's sometimes it's even a weird thing, you know, because you know for the people around me, uh, because the truth is that once that happens, I don't know how to disconnect, you know, and it's it just grabbing me, right? And um, but sometimes I make the conscious decision to come out of there and try to find something to watch or whatever. I've been, I, I'm, I'm almost finished with the first season of this series uh, on Netflix that I found not too long ago. It's called Taboo. Oh, I, that's on my hit list. I want to see it. It looks yeah. amazing. Like it's old, like in the late 1800s. Yes. Is that the right one? Yeah. Yes, it's very well done, man. It's like so beautiful. It's a joint venture between Netflix and BBC, I think. Yeah, and, and it's like uh, Tom Hardy, the guy that uh, like plays Venom, is the the one of the absolutely. main Absolutely, right? absolutely. I think this is gonna send him to the moon. This is like he's already in the moon. He's gonna go beyond the moon now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, a, as an actor, he really is killing it. You know, he, he killed he it. Really, is know? quite good. Yeah, but he speaks a lot about African history and stuff like that. And so it interests me somehow. I found I got to find out about or to remember because I I probably knew about it about the bird Sankofa. Which okay. is um, something very mystical in the African diaspora. It's a it's a bird. It simplifies a retrieve, like going back to your roots, retrieve your 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 and claim your 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 past. You know to learn uh, to bring it to the present and learn and you know. But it's a beautiful thing. I probably get get a tattoo of that bird because of that. Because wow. of the series I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No kidding. Now, I, I I can I can appreciate that. Uh, that it's probably hard for you to get away, get pulled away from from your music. I can appreciate that. Are you a, a a big sports fan? Like, do you watch the Canucks? Do you watch UFC or the Raptors or anything <laughs> like that? Not at all. And Chris can tell you about it. I, yeah. I I don't. I I did a little bit, you know, baseball. That's mandatory in Cuba. That's our national right. Sure, sports right. Every kid that's you know we play on the street. It's like the same way we play hockey here. What position yeah. did you play? All of them. Oh, all of them, yeah. yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah, you, you you get to do all of them. It's kind of fun. Yeah, but um, and then I did a little bit of karate and even kung fu. But when music, uh, when I found that electric bass, <laughs> like I said, that was the point of no return. And then I was spending men six to eight hours in my room practicing. So I uh, I was also a bodybuilder builder at some point between. I don't know, between nine, you know, I was interested in, in, in doing things like that because I was, that was when Arnold and his movies, Terminator and stuff started coming out or whatever. And, and you know, I got interested in that. But aside from that, uh, that was it for me. Music became everything. What I do, I go for a walk. I try to do a lot of physical work, either in the yard or preparing now the garage for, you know, for the contractor to, begin working. I try to do a lot of physical, I like doing physical work, mm. like leaving all of the yards, like very clean and very beautiful, sweating a lot. You know, I love, I love that. It gives me, it gives me shape. You know, if I, the days that I am full on in music and I'm bumping around, you know, sometimes I feel the consequence because um, <laughs> yes, yeah, then I, I put, I, I put, put my back out or something, but it's just what I tell you, what it tells you, what it tells me and it tells you is that, he throws, it could throw me a little bit out of balance, you know. So the idea is to 
find that balance no matter what, you know, where you're, yeah, taking care of your, of your physical body too as well. But you don't feel, I feel, I go, for, I can be in front of my computer producing a song, recording new stuff, or whatever. I can be there for eight hours and I don't feel time. Yeah, that's weird. And then when I get up, and oh, oh, what do I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. So totally. I'm, I'm looking at alternative way of um, spending time in front of a computer, whether it's type of chair that you are not fully sitting down, you're like half standing up kind of thing, because um, I'm planning to produce a lot of music. That's cool. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, bef before music consumed you, <laughs> what uh, what was the worst job you had before getting into music? Todd, I got to tell you, uh, and I get asked this question many times. People ask me, when did you make the decision that music was going to be your career, was going to be your living? Well, it sounded like 11 years old and grabbing an electric bass. <laughs> and the, the answer is that I really made the, I, I really never made the decision. Really? I just, I just roll into it. I, um, I follow what I feel is the thing that I came here to do in, on earth. And life has taken me in, into an, a very a supportive, let's put it that way, path. A, whether um, because I found a, an incredible partner, I found a woman that um, understands that, that, that artistic sensibility and she supports it, my wife, Sarah. Uh, it's like unlike any other woman in the world, I think. Not even my mother supports my, my dad. The way she, she, she supports me, you know, because when I get that beast coming down for me of creativity, she said, okay, I know what I have to do. I'll get out of your way. And the space is mine. And boom. Um, I'm lucky that I get to justify that craziness uh, now with the Grammy <laughs> in front of her. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me, I just got to step aside and make another Grammy award-winning album here. So, <laughs> baby, you see, it's baby, you see, it's worth it. I, I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right. I'm just kidding. Right. But um, um, I lost my, I lost my train of thought there for a minute. What was your your question? Let me get back to it. Uh oh, the the worst job you've had. Right. I, I was on my way to say. I never really worked. I never worked on anything else than music. Wow, really? That's and great. I tell you, Good for you. Holy I, crap. I, I tell you, when I came to Canada, I went straight into music. My, my, there was a Cuban band in Victoria. My brother, I have a brother, a twin brother with me. He's a singer too. Um, that came to Canada like eight months before I did for whatever reason, life wanted it that way. And, and he came with the band and about five musicians from that band decided to stay in Canada and not return to Cuba. And so they formed a band in Victoria. And when I got there, the musicians were there. So we, I went straight into, they gave me the direct, the, the name of the director of the band because nobody wrote music or arranged. And I, I came loaded from Cuba with so many songs mm. and, um, and, and ready to take it on. So I began and, and there was a momentum there for a little while. Then that died, that momentum. And that's when I said, well, the only way I will give up music is for my family. The only reason in the world, right? And so I said, okay, music is not bringing enough money to live. So let me do something about this. I put together a really crappy curriculum, you know, resume for people, yeah. for me to try to find a job. I looked at the paper. There were a few restaurants looking for somebody to 
wash the dishes. I said, whatever, I do whatever it takes, you know, for my family. I took the regiment to a few different places. A, a month went by and nobody called me back. And music, boom, all of a sudden got busy again. I started playing the bass with like six different bands in Victoria. Not only Latin music, I am trained and experiencing in any kind of music that is, including jazz, mm. funk, rock, whatever, you, whatever you name. And that, that could be heard through my music that I don't stick to one genre, right? And um, and so that was that was it. Mm. Good for and you, man. That, that's that's such that, a cool story. From that point, something very fundamental happened, which was um, a a band, a local band from Victoria, was looking for a bass player, and because I have. I, I made a little sign when I got to Victoria that said, new hot Cuban bass player in town for lessons or whatever they hear is my number. And I took it to every music store. And this guy found that little sign. He, he called me looking for a bass player for a show that he wanted, he was putting together. And uh, so I showed up the next day to the first rehearsal. And the rehearsal is at a, in a studio, in a music recording studio. And I'm like, oh my God. This is within within months that I moved to Canada to live, right? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. I, I smell something here happening. So we rehearsed. They loved my playing. You know, it was a very beautiful moment because I felt welcome. You know, I felt like, yeah. I always wanted to connect with the Canadian industry. I never, I, was, I wasn't one of those, you know, immigrants that finds it impossible to, to sort of really integrate the community. You know, I, I made an effort because I had to, Learn to speak English. I have to know the musician. I have to meet the musicians. You have to, if I want to do, if I want to make a living from music in Canada, right? And um, so we rehearsed twice, and then the third day was the the show in Victoria. We played it, and just when we finished playing the show, I said to the guy, "Hey, I ain't got any money yet, <laughs> but I got a shit load of music. I got music. Can we make a deal?" You record us, you record me with a trio, a little trio that I have, and I give you 50% of the profit, whatever comes, give you 50%. And he was such a kind guy. His name is Brandon Foreman. Such a kind man that he said to me, Alex, come on, I know you're new. You're new to Canada, but 50, 50 is too much. I'm, I'm okay with 15. And I wow. said, Oh, really? Okay, how about 10? How about, how about 10? <laughs> <You know. laughs> Did I say 50? I meant five. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we, no, we laughed. It was, it was, you know, pretty spontaneous thing. Oh, that's great. Uh, in two weeks, he called me for one reason. He said, since you mentioned your Cuban music to me, Cuba is been following me. I open up the newspaper and I see Buena Vista is a club in there. Turn the TV on. Another Cuban musician. We got to talk, buddy. I said, okay, cool. See you tomorrow. So I went down to his studio and said, okay, let's do it. We do, uh, we do it on that on those basis. I record you and then we split the uh, we split the deal. And if you get found or something by a label before we get the album gets to you know and they want to buy the album, I get a cut from there. You know, business, right? Sure. And and, uh, and so we planned and we got down to his studio one day and started recording. I had a little trio with my brother and another musician. And we began the first song, blah, 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 blah. He was on the other side of the, of the glass, you know, in the, in the control room, watching us play. And all of a sudden, I see he's on the phone. 
And I'm like, what, what did I think? You know, I was, oh, this guy's not taking us seriously. You know, he's like, blah, 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 whatever, you know. Sure, yeah. yeah completely completely doing, out of but, focus. But meanwhile, yeah. he's, who's he on the phone with? With a distributor, a music distributor from Victoria. He was telling the guy, you better get your ass here. I'm experiencing magic in front of me. Wow. You better get your ass here. Within 20 minutes, the guy was there. And within minutes, he was talking to us and said, hey, I'm going to connect you to a label, the label that I work with in Toronto, whatever. Fast forward, within two weeks, the head of the label from Toronto was down in Victoria, checking us out. And there we began. Uh, we ended up putting together this first album that I did in Canada, like you said at the beginning, going back to 2001. That was, it came out in 2000, that album, the summer of 2000. It was called the Puentes Brothers. My okay, brother. one. It was a project with my brother, and he put us on the map in Canada. I took. We went to every festival that is. We were the first Latino musicians in Canada to be on much more music. We were. We did so many firsts. You know, it was a beautiful thing, and it was quite the groundbreaking experience for me. Well, that's incredible. And so, yeah. how, how far now that you're this far into the game, like? How, how how far ahead are you scheduled? Like you clearly you must be like, what's the rest of your year looking like? And maybe into next year. Yeah, uh, we're going as far as uh, March next year now. Yeah, that's 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 crazy, right? To think you're almost a year ahead of your schedule and it needs to be yeah. that way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't stop. We get we're getting offers every day and and many of them don't make any sense. But, but I, I like <laughs> sure. Uh, but I, li I like the, I like the, how, you know, the, 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 how do you say the, how constant is now happening, right? Because it, it only tells you that uh, we've worked, you know, for more than 20 years for something that now we can see. It's working. Uh, yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. That's cool. Alex, um, thank you, man, for, for taking some time. I'll wrap it up. I respect your time here. Uh, you're at Alex Cuba on Twitter at I am Alex Cuba on Instagram. Yes. Uh, anywhere else that I should send people to? Oh, Facebook is, um, did you, did you mention Facebook already? No, no. Uh, it's Alex Cuba music on Facebook. Alex Cuba music um, on Facebook. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks and again. And my website, alexcuba.com, which is the place where we tend to really post all of our dates and stuff. I have a massive tour coming up now. Oh, cool. In the U.S., um, we also heading to the Junos. I'm, I'm up. Something really cool happened this year for the first time ever, and due to the pandemic, and the Grammys having to move that day, uh, I was at the same time nominated for for a Grammy and for a Juno Award. You know, that, that's fantastic. So they won the Grammy. Let Let's see if uh, if the Juno wants to come to Smithers with me. Sure. Know, but whatever happens, Sarah and I, we, we're going. We're coming to experience to share with the music industry of canada and to have a good time for sure right on alex well good luck on the on the juno congrats on the grammy win <laughs> and that uh, sounds you. good doesn't it and we'll uh we'll see you online man thanks again the toddcast podcast follow on instagram and twitter at toddcast podcast
Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the anime movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.